0: Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Long, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode.
1: is up fam welcome to the start of season three of the value as value podcast where we hope to help you become the teacher your kids deserve my name is kyle krieger and i am thrilled as always to be joined on this lovely saturday morning by my guy we'll give you all the third will what's happening
0: what's going on what's going on excited to be here As, as as the old folks would say i'm excited just to be anywhere right now right so
1: Right. Right. So just a little bit of transparency. Today is the 27th of June. Um, June
0: 27th. See, in Houston, today is a holiday. Okay. So I just have to put this disclaimer in there real quick. Okay. June 27th for the Houston hip hop field. Today is a holiday. I'm going to school you just a little bit on this episode. Okay. So June 27th, uh, the legendary DJ, DJ Screw from Houston, Texas, got together with a bunch of his friends for one of his friends. His name was BMO. Uh It was his birthday. And they released a legendary tape called June 27th, where DJ Screw introduced literally everybody in the, the Screwed Up Click literally had verse on it. They were just at Screw's house, and he was chopping and screwing, and everybody was just rapping, going on and on. The whole mixtape is probably about, I mean, the song, June 27th, I think the initial one was like 45 minutes long. It was like, they used to give the gray cassette tapes, the Maxwell gray cassette tapes, and that's what it was initially. And it kind of morphed from there. And from that one song, that one mixtape, June 27th, it's still being sampled today. I think Drake just sampled it not too long ago in one of his songs. Well, most of his songs, he he gives reverence to it. Um that's where the world was introduced to uh sip and serve, to to the slow down rap, and and everybody started doing it. So today, today, we're recording this podcast on June 27th. So I gotta give a big shout out to Robert Davis, aka DJ School, Rest in Power. And thank you for the contribution to the hip-hop scene. Now, back to our original broadcast. Wow. That was
1: totally (laughs) unexpected, but awesome. You know, you you come to this podcast to learn. So, um, (laughs) it is June 27th, and you got that sweet little history lesson. But we wanted to frame that around, you know, what's been going on in the world. Um, But we wanted to explain just a little bit in a shift in focus if you're a continual listener to this podcast we appreciate you um more than we could ever say um but over the last few months as we've had more time to dig and to work and to figure out what it is that we want to share on this podcast we we want to get back to what we originally started talking about which was helping teachers build the relationships it takes to be that teacher that kids deserve so going forward Um, we're going to expand it to not just teachers, but educational stakeholders. And we're going to have a fluid definition of what an educational stakeholder means. Mm -hmm. Um, because we think that diversity of experience, um, is important to share with teachers. And that's what led us to this initial episode one of season three, which is relationships require discourse. and discourse right now is something that seems to be a challenge in this country and discourse one-to-one is maybe not as hard but we are really struggling to have discourse on on a large scale so what we want to do in this episode is just talk about you know what discourse looks like in our personal lives how to transfer that to the professional side, and and some of the things you need to be aware of when it comes to discourse on the professional side. So, um, Will, this is your uh, your brainchild. So, let's talk a little bit about what,
0: why discourse is required for relationships. Well, before we get into the why it's important, we have to get into talking about what discourse is. Um, I think a lot of times we we get so bogged down in what to do that we don't pay attention to why I mean why to do something we don't focus on what to do so when you look up the definition for discourse and discourse is both a noun and a verb um, and so as a noun it is simply a spoken or written discussion um a spoken or written discussion. So today why is it important to have a spoken or written discussion? That's the only way we can articulate our our thoughts, our um that's how feelings. we articulate our feelings, that's how we begin to you can't be, you can't build a relationship with someone without first speaking to them. You know, you you and Britt just celebrated two years yesterday uh, of dating, right? Yes, With that sorry. relationship taking place without discourse. No. Yep. Without a word. If you would have sat there the entire first date and just looked at her, there would have never been a beginning. She probably would think this is some weird guy sitting here and not wanting to talk to me. Uh, because in order for a relationship to work, you must have discourse. Um, I love the way Merriam-Webster describes it, and they say it's a formal and orderly and usually extended expression of a thought on a subject. A formal and orderly, usually extended expression on a subject. So what that says is, I'm going to go in depth about a subject. So in order to build a relationship, relationships are built off on how much you allow someone to get to know you, how much you get to know someone. And the only way we can do that is by communicating. That is the discourse itself. And people could say, okay, it's just a conversation. Absolutely. But in academia, we call it discourse. We call it discourse. We want to make sure in our classroom, we want to make sure our kids are having discourse because that cements their learning. And so in our personal life, we want to make sure we're having discourse because if you're not talking to your spouse or your friend and y'all are not communicating, and you're not having those, those, those conversations, then it begins to get fractured and fall apart. So it is ultimately up to the individuals involved to, to, to engage in that discourse in order to make sure that the relationships work.
1: I think back to our relationship because we wanted to, to go on the personal side and, you know, we could come back to the relationship with your wife or uh, and you or Brittany and I, but I think back to our, our, our discourse on a personal level because, you know, like you said, we had professional discourse a lot to start, but our, our our discourse, even when we were professional, had a personal vibe to it. I think there was just something to where we like like we said before, we were just a good pair. And thank mm-hmm. you to Christy Van Wassenhoe for you know for pairing us up. Um, but our discourse became way more personal than it did professional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I love what you said about it was formal and orderly thoughts on a subject. So the word that stands out to me there is subject. And I think that's what, what changes conversation to discourse is when you talk on a subject at length and you talk on a subject, um, in an orderly, formal fashion. Now, orderly, informal to me does not mean we're having like a political debate or something that is is structured in how the conversation works,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but discourse to me has a thought process behind the words. So can you talk a little bit, because we were talking for quite a while before this happens that it seems like a lot of people in the United States right now are just shooting from the hip. And, and there's not a lot of thought or, or orderly fashion on subjects. It just seems like
0: it's a, a, sh- a shouting. So, well, let's go back to what they, you know, growing up, I remember people would say, there are three topics that you don't discuss with people, with your friends. You don't talk finances, you don't talk politics, and you don't talk about race. You're not supposed to talk about those things. I believe that the reason that we're in the place we're in is because nobody wants to talk about those. And it's not so much that people don't want to talk about them. They don't want to hear the other side. Because one of the things about discourse is, discourse is, when you look back, and I go back to the word, the etymology of the word, it's a to and fro. Um, that's when you go back to the root, they say that the word comes from the Latin word, which means basically reasoning. And it's this idea of going to and fro or to take something apart. So when you're taking things apart in discourse, when you're thinking about that as as it relates to having a conversation, I'm going to sit and listen to everything you say, but you also have to be willing to sit and listen to what I have to say. You have to be willing to listen to my stance on your stance and I have to listen to your stance on my stance. And again, does it mean that we have to get to where there's a winner or a loser? No, I'm hundred percent on board with, with Simon Sinek to say that that we're not in this finite game. Mm -hmm. We're not in this game to say you're a loser, Kyle, because I won this argument and I won. We're in the infinite game to say that this relationship that we're, through our discourse is gonna get stronger because we talk this out. I understand where you stand. I know where where, where your point of view is coming from. And even if I don't fully accept your point of view, I at least know where your footing is. And so it teaches me how to operate as it relates to you and I. Mm -hmm. If I know saying certain words bother my wife, then guess what? I'm not going to say certain words around my life.
1: Right. And, and to clarify that point, um, Simon Sinek, the author, uh, his most recent book is called the infinite game in which he talks about finite games, which have a score. There has to be a winner and a loser and infinite games where the whole point is just to keep the game going. And if you think about the game as, and he references education a ton, like the whole, there's not a winner and a loser. It's just can you perpetuate the game? Can you continue to advance um, advance the game and continue to make it better? And, and I and I loved what you said there about listening. How often do you feel like you run into someone or you hear of people that say I don't want to talk about re- religion, race, finances, politics because the other side isn't willing? To listen to what I have to say?
0: A lot. Because again, again, most people want to talk, they don't want to listen. And most of the people who refuse to to listen to someone else because they feel like someone else don't want to listen, I believe that's a projector. And um I think What do you that's- what
1: do you what do you mean by a projector? Because I want to make sure everybody listening is clarified because I, I understand think- what you're saying,
0: but I think they're projecting the fact that they really don't want to listen and saying, I just won't talk because no one, they're not going to listen to me. So but what you're really saying is you don't want to involve in a conversation because you don't want to listen to them. And I, you know, again, I've been involved in some, some, some crazy conversations with people, some people from all over the world, you know, even with our podcast, don't necessarily say I share the views with every single person we've ever interviewed but I I at least listen and I can see my growth that has taken place in just the ability of me to listen and to gain perspective of someone else. All too often when we're engaging in conversation, what we're really telling someone when I wanna talk is, I want you to listen to me. But conversation is a dialogue, not a monologue. The moment conversations become a monologue, then the relationships break down. And so when you want to really start to have true conversation, it's that to and fro. It's that I'm going to give you my, my, my piece. I'm going to take your piece. Now let's go back and forth with our pieces in a peaceful manner. I ain't got to call you names. Come on, man. I, you know, when I see that in today's political climate, that we resort to calling people names. I go back to, you know, when you were third, fourth grade, and, 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 oh, they don't like me, oh, peanut head, oh, milk dud head, oh, this, oh, that. That's what kids do. You know, my Bible tells me when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I behaved as a child, I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so when you get away from that and you understand that as an adult, your job as an adult is to be able to integrate with other adults. And the only way that's going to happen is you have conversation. If you engage in, in authentic discourse.
1: right? And, and what struck me from what you said is that monologue piece. And I think to how many times as teachers, it's so easy to get on the monologue stage and just
0: The same on the stage.
1: Be be preachy and and Mm -hmm. and and do those things. And we've talked about this a ton on this particular podcast. That is when things break down. That is when things break down. And you know, I had a really and to I want to bring up two examples from my personal life because I think they illustrate the difficulty of discourse. And they're two of the people I trust more than anything. I have spoken at length on this podcast about how still at times it's difficult for me to even listen to you knowing that full well you have my best interests at heart. And you don't ever tell me things that I don't already know in my heart. It's the things that I don't want to hear because I know there are things that I need to work. We don't like being called out, even though we know what that person is saying is valid. But also, too, you know, I was talking with Brittany and and we do not share the same political values. And I say values because I think it's important to distinguish between political party and political values. hmm uh-huh. I can get on board with someone who says, I believe that smaller government is better, and I believe in lower taxes because I think people can do a great job of spending their own money versus the government spending it for them. That's a completely valid argument. I believe in supporting the military and military spending. Okay, I'm I'm a veteran. I support the Republican Party because they tend to spend more on the military. I can get down with that. Me, as an educator, I tend to vote Democrat because Democrats tend to spend more money on things like education. That's a political value. But that does not necessarily... That right now, I don't feel like puts me into either political party because I feel like that's not what political parties are about right now. And in a situation like that, I try to have a conversation with my spouse, and she doesn't want to have it with me because she thinks I'm just trying to get her into this "oh, I got you" moment. Again, yeah. infinite versus finite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and I and it breaks my heart because I'm just trying to see where, like, we're getting married in like four months, and you think that I'm trying to somehow put it over on you about
0: your political beliefs. But I think it, it goes back to how we were reared and it goes to that conversation piece that, that these are just kind of those, you just don't talk about it. Or if anybody opposes me, if you're in opposition of my thoughts, then I don't want to hear your thoughts because in some kind of way, I know you're trying to sway me. No, I just want you to understand my viewpoint. You don't have to agree with me. Just know where I'm coming from.
1: I want to learn where you're coming from.
0: Right. So again, because once I know where you're coming from, I I always tell people, one of the best things I learned growing up is to deal with everything in its authority. You know, if I need to hammer a nail in the wall, I'm not going to go in the garage and grab my sledgehammer. I mean, I mean, like,
1: you know, you could.
0: I could if I want to end up having to redo my whole drywall you know, and maybe replace a stud in a process. But if I really wanna nail, a nail, put a nail in through my wall, I'm gonna go grab a hammer. And when I grab that hammer, I can tap it in and put it in correctly. And I won't do any damage to anything else. It'll be very difficult for me to do that same thing with a sledgehammer, so you have to deal with everything in its authority. So when you're dealing with, when I know you, then I know what conversations to engage in with you, I know where conversations are going to get hairy and sketchy between us. And so not that I would avoid them, but I would think I would make sure that I understand that it could easily kind of go there and be okay with it. But again, everybody does not have to agree with one another. And I think that that is the, I've known my wife for 26 years now. Do we agree on every single thing? Absolutely not. But do I support her? 100%. Just give me your viewpoint. Even if I don't agree with it, I'll move with it and do what you ask me to do. And it's not a matter of when it doesn't work or if it works, be able to say, I told you so or I told you so. It's a matter of, hey, you know, your idea, it worked. It's great. You know, it worked out for our benefit. Oh, your idea didn't work. Okay, what could we have done differently? You know, again, Everything has to be a learning experience. But discourse, when you talk about it in length, when you put a a a, a if you put two people in a bubble and you could only live, which quarantine is doing to people, it put everybody in a bubble, you know, for three, four months and say, well, actually, my, my daughter said a hundred. She told me the other day, Daddy, do you know we've been quarantined for 103 days? <laughs> like that's almost a third of a year, you know. So When you put people like that, to put people in a bubble together, and you force them to have to have difficult conversations, you force them to have to have those uncomfortable conversations, what it does is you grow from it because you learn the other side's perspective. Put the racist and the the anti-racist in the same room and let them have a conversation, but where they listen to one another. Not saying that the racist is going to walk off and all of a sudden say I'm so sorry for what we've done. Not saying the anti-racist will be like oh I'm sympathetic to what you believe. No, but it's going to be able to give you a a a perspective of what they see, and the only way you're going to get that perspective is to listen to what they say. And I'm
1: and I'm thinking about what you said because I can't remember who I've been listening to. Um, I think it was like actually John Stewart. The uh, we were talking about that a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. He he said there is no nuance to anything right now there and and i think that's the thing with discourse is if you're speaking and listening you can understand the nuance of a person's perspective and and it reminds me i mean that metaphor that you just had i don't know if it was an intentional metaphor but you know of bringing a sledgehammer you know you got that little teeny tiny penny nail that you're going to Pound into the stud to hang a picture that weighs not even one pound but you bring a sledgehammer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you destroy everything around it
0: just for the sake of that little pin nail that yeah. now can't even go there yeah and and i think that's what
1: is difficult and and we've talked about this a ton and i, I try to preach it in my classroom is Stop using the word they and them. Who are they? That's what I ask the kids. (laughs) Who are are, them? Who are they? Who is them? Mm -hmm. Because I hear a lot of people say liberals or conservatives, Republicans or Democrats. They just don't. Liberals just want to make this a socialist country and give everybody a free ride. Conservatives just want to, you know, ban gay marriage and, you know, whatever the, whatever the token position is. Rather than saying, okay, this person believes in this. I can understand my future father-in-law as a veteran of the Vietnam War, making the way our military members are treated, his most important cause. I 100% can support that. Mm -hmm. I can support that he really has a problem with the way the VA works. Mm -hmm. I can support someone whose family has a legacy of policing. I can support that they tend to lean republican because they are you know as the president calls himself the party of law and order you know here's this thing you know and here's a, a the kind of buzz term right now defund the police and there's either you know and, and there are people out on both sides that are saying okay yep we're not gonna have any police at all like there's some People way out on the left that says we don't need police at all in a in a free society and there are people on the right who say well if you defund the police it's going to be total anarchy but when you talk about it maybe and maybe that's just the wrong term maybe if you just said reallocating police funds it needs to be restructured restructure Restructure police, reimagine any, but, but they get so hung up on that one word, defund.
0: Well, when they say defund, I don't think that you need to take money away from them. I think that what you do with the money it needs to be changed. Um, example no one is saying defund education, even though we know education is broken. It has been a broken institution for years for decades hundreds of years and so no one's saying defund it they're just saying we need to reform education to make sure that everybody gets an equal share making sure that education is a is a right is, is a it's not a privilege it's a right you're an American you would do a good quality education with good quality educators I believe the same thing with policing Defunding, no, because I, if, if it goes back to the days of the Wild West, where you break in my house, I'm gonna hunt you down, and I wanna go try to bust a cap in you because you broke into my house and took something from mine, so I'ma take your life, that's not justice. As you said, that's anarchy. But does, the, does it need to be restructured? Yes, yeah, stop training police officers like they're military combatants, and train them like they're public servants. There's a difference in, in how you do it. Your police academy should be focused on the de-escalation of conflict, not the escalation of conflict and how to get somebody in the proper hole in order to do this. Because even as educators, I don't know how many times I've been called the name. I don't know how many times kids have bucked me. You know, my first week of school in high school, there's a kid six foot two, I'm five foot nine, who told me, man, step outside and I'll take it to you. And started calling me everything under the sun except for my name. And part, of, and I, I remember taking off my ID badge. In my mind, saying, "I just started doing this career. Let's make it happen." And I remember my assistant principal telling me, "Law, that's not how we do things." Again, mind you, I was a, I was an aide. I was a teacher's aide. He said, "Law, that's not how we do things." And immediately he said, I'm gonna show you how to de-escalate the situation. But again, it's all about how you, what are you gonna emphasize in your training? When your training is military style, understanding how to do all of this, did we eventually learn how to do things like the basket hole, learn how to do a proper two-man restraint, learn how to restrain while walking without hurting or injuring the person? We learned how to do that. But what are you learning as a police officer? How to take someone down? How to immobilize them? How to hog tie them? So again, shift your focus. Stop buying tanks. You know, stop buying tanks and grenades and all this nonsense and start putting the money on the human factor the human experience that police officers are supposed to be out here for and to protect and serve. I'm sorry that's not the soapbox we're supposed to be on, but it goes back to this discourse. Because regardless of the situation you're in, you have to be able to have a simple, intense conversation without losing your block.
1: And I feel like like the way discourse seems at a city or state or national level is It's just an escalation of force we're gonna you come at us with this we're gonna come back in over the topic and I I I just hear a lot of people say well the things that this person is justified in saying this because the other person said this about them first
0: again why did you hit them? Cuz he hit me. Why did you say that? Because he pushed my, he said something about my mama. Come on, man, this is not kindergarten third grade. We have to get out of this mindset and we're in this age politically where so many people are looking at our leadership thinking that this is the this is the example, this is the model of what people how people are supposed to interact. I would not dare go to uh, my Cambodian neighbors who live down the street and be like, hey, I'm glad you guys ain't got that Kung flu. That's offensive. You know, I wouldn't dare go up to uh, my neighbor down the street who, who's, who happens to be a, a Navy veteran and be like, hey there Cracker Jack, because that's offensive. So again, Discourse says that we should be able to see, listen to and see intensely everybody's side. And when we do that, the relationships are strengthened. When we don't do it, they're fractured. And one thing about a fractured relationship, it is very difficult to put all those pieces back together. I don't care how much Gorilla Glue you have. I don't care how much Super Glue you have. They showed, I remember the old Super Glue commercial with the guy sticking that hard hat up on the thing and holding on to it and all that. But when you can't find all the pieces, if you find all the pieces but one, it's still unusable. Still a crack. You find one, there's still a hole. So if it's a bowl, guess what? I can't use it anymore, so I still throw it away. So when you fracture relationships, when you refuse to have discourse, you fracture relationships. Once you fracture relationships, they become useless. And as educators, well, I'm not even gonna say as educators, as human beings, it is so critical that we don't fracture the relationships that we have, that we allow people to speak, that we allow people to, that we allow people the opportunity to say their piece, hear them out and then speak our piece Again, I don't, again, I I get people tell me all the time, you know, you you, you raise your voice sometimes. And I don't, I I never yell at people, but I'm passionate. And does that mean sometimes when I'm passionate, I get elevated? Yeah, but I never get too elevated to where I offend someone. Because if somebody tells me, hey, hold on, bring it down just a little bit. Okay, you're right, my bad. Because I know, you know, I mean, I grew up in an era where, where when you were passionate about something, you stood up for it. You know, you stood up for it. If it's something you believe in, you stood up for it. And I think right now, so many people, they want to stand on other people's beliefs without really expressing their own. You know, I told we, we were talking earlier before about my uncle who was a member of the, the Republican delegation here in Houston. And to, to hear him tell me as a 14, 15 year old kid, telling me to make sure that when you become a voting age that you make sure you support people who consciously you understand where they're coming from and that y'all are going in the same direction and that was that's what made me not really affiliate with any public political party directly straight party i want to see what you're about let me do i'm a research rat i've always been a research rat I want to know every single thing that there is to know about a person. Not so much that I don't care about their personal thing. I'm not going to look up and pull up, oh, they got a DWI when they were 14 years old. Oh, when they were in college, they got caught smoking marijuana. Or He did cocaine when he was in, 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 in at University of Texas. I want to know where do you stand right now today on the issues that I'm dealing with? Where do you stand right now today on, on Black Lives Matter? Where do you stand right now today on reforming police across the country? Where do you stand right now on, on the acceptance in, in gay marriages? Where do you stand right now on religious freedoms? Where do you stand right now on the Second Amendment right? Where do you stand right now on the First Amendment right? And when I get, only way I can get that is that I have to engage in discourse with people. Right now, we can engage in discourse without even being in the same room. You know, social media has given us the ability to, to engage in discourse with people that we would probably never meet face to face. So again, when you engage in discourse, everybody gets stronger and grows. You know, I, I've seen the other day, there was a, I think it was outside of Talladega, and there was a confrontation between some people holding Confederate flags in the parking lot and some people some people who were disagreeing with them. And the lady with the Confederate flag said, I'm going to teach, I taught my kids to hate you. I'm going to teach my kids' kids to hate you. And I want them to teach their kids to hate you. And the question the other person asked was, Why? And then the conversation shifted to a shouting match and a waving of a flag. You know why? Because you don't want to answer the question why because you don't have a good reason why. We're we're not inbred to hate. We're taught hate. We're taught hate. We're taught to mistreat people. Either by omission or by commission, we're taught. You don't teach a child how to interact and dis- engage in discourse with people, how to how to how to how to respond to people. You don't teach them that, then you're setting them up for a life to where they're not gonna know, and then they're gonna base it on how they see you do it or how they see other people do it around you. And that narrative we have to shift. We have to shift it. Shift it. To say that relationship required discourse says that in order to be in a relationship, pieces of me have to accept that pieces of you, I can't accept. And I have to be okay with that. Because again, I don't need you to be agreeing with me on everything on my line item list. I just need you to know what are those agreeables and unagreeables on my line item list. I don't need you to try to sway me one way or the next. I told you, but we talk about it all the time. We need to get away this idea of left, left wing, right wing. Because again, if you're the left wing and the right wing of the same bird, if one doesn't work, the bird doesn't fly. Let's talk. It takes full cooperation from both sides. So it's not about left or right. It's about right or wrong. Will you starve because you don't want to cooperate? Will you starve others because you don't want to cooperate? So stop lefting and stop writing, and start writing and wronging. And the only way you can have the conversation about right or wrong is to sit down and do the exact same thing that we do all the time, have a conversation about it. You know, I tell you all the time, my 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 good friend, um, best friend Greg in Austin, he's a Republican. I've known this. His views and I, my views have been diametrically opposed to each other's. All our all of our friendship, I've known him for over twenty years now, but. When we come together, we have those points that we agree on wholeheartedly. There are some factors that we agree on wholeheartedly. And on those factors, our relationships were built. There are some conversations I know I won't even engage with him with, just because I know him. And unless I'm ready to go there and really start digging through some stuff, I just won't do it. He knows the exact same thing. So again, it's about knowing people. And getting people to know you in a way that doesn't offend people, that doesn't turn people over. I'm waiting for that politician that stands on right. I'm waiting on that politician that stands up, like you said, that's not going to start slinging mud at their opponent. I don't want to bring attention to my opponent. You know, I I remember when you're dating, I'm not going to sit here and talk about your ex. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit up here and keep bringing up things about your ex. Because again, I don't want your ex to be in your memories. So when we're engaging in this course, I'm not going to do that. So we have to understand how that situation works and how to move forward from it. How can we move forward? So stand, those people who stand for right are the people who need to stand up right now and start amplifying their voices. Stop left. Stop right and it's right or wrong, that's it. Because again, if my left wing doesn't work, I can't fly with just one wing. You know, what's your thing? Uh, A one-legged duck swims in a circle.
1: Yeah, a (laughs) one-legged, yes. Theoretically, (laughs) people ask me a question, and if the answer is yes, I respond with, does a one-legged duck swim in a circle? Because I mean, I've never met a one like a duck, so I don't know if they actually swim in a circle. But you know, coming coming to this, um, so what does that look like now? I mean, we've talked quite a bit about it in the personal space. So we learned. I feel like we definitely learned the value of relationships over these last three months when we were not with our kids. In, in the classroom, mm-hmm. we learned the value of relationships with parents because those parents that we hadn't had a relationship with before distance learning started weren't interested in building one with us. Then,
2: thank you again, everybody, for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. If you want to see the next part, or I should say, listen to the next part of this episode, you can check it out next week. Um, Just based on what we talked about in this episode, we recorded episode one and two of season three uh, together. And based on that, we have like four more episodes that we want to drop, just really focusing for the next month or two on discourse and how we need to use that to build relationships. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of value adds value. We hope you'll tune in and we hope during this time of, uncertainty um, when all of us are wondering what the fall is going to look like that if you need help you'll reach out Um, you can find us on instagram and twitter at it's kyle krieger and at it's dot will dot law dot iii or at value adds value on instagram but thanks again for checking out the podcast we'll see you again soon